The theme of the year is life in the Holy Ghost. And I want to thank the pastorate for this opportunity to be able to bring the word of God to us this morning. Thank you, sir. And we are continuing in the light. Because for a person to have or to live a life in the Holy Ghost, for you to live a life in the Holy Ghost, you need to understand the freedom that you have in Christ. And from last year, we've been talking about it, the freedom in Christ, the freedom from the law, and many things. But you know, I, I, just, I just feel in my spirit or within my mind that today's world has perverted what freedom is. Like, the world that we live today in this generation, they've given us a different meaning of freedom that is different from what a scripture teaches about freedom. And that becomes a burden, you know, in my own heart, becomes a burden. Because freedom is something that I've spent some couple of time, you know, trying to understand and trying to study and try to even advocate for. But you, you see that the world has perverted what freedom is. So if you, if you know the history of the world, you know the history of liberations of countries, you see that people call independence freedom, right? Most of the countries here, I mean, you're from African country, most people here should come from an African country. So it means that you've gone through what they call colonialism and you have been freed and you call that freedom. And at the same time, if you check the history of the world also, because you need to understand this world so that you can know how to deal with them through the world. You need to understand this world to know how to deal with them. Otherwise, you will not see some things as perversion. So if you read the history of America as well, there's what they call the rights movement, right? You have the rights movement. And those people seek for rights. And they seek for the African rights. And all sort of rights. But today, do you know the new rights that are coming up? The new freedom that people want is sexuality freedom. To live in immorality. To live a, a life of freedom of sexuality that actually puts them in bondage. So people are seeking freedom that they've sought it to the extent of their salvation. Let me put it that way. Like people have sought and sought after freedom. They've sought it against themselves. So you find people becoming LGBTQ and call themselves whatever. You find people coming up and saying they have the right to get married to animals. You have the right to rebel. You have the right to many things. And it's all in the name of freedom. And I begin to check what the Bible really teaches about freedom. I begin to check, is there an absolute freedom, like a freedom where you can do anything? I realize that there is nothing like that. The Bible does not teach such a freedom as which you can partake in light and darkness. The Bible does not teach any form of freedom that allows you to pertain in what? Light and darkness. It is impossible. So I checked the scriptures and we read from Galatians 5 chapter 1. It said, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened by the yoke, by a yoke of slavery. That is what our scriptures say. Chapter 1 please. Galatians 5 chapter 1. Now before the teaching about the life in the spirit, this is what Paul began to write about. That there's actually freedom that Jesus came to make you free so that you can be free. 
So he did not make you free so that you can put yourself in bondage. Did you get that? Jesus did not make you free so that you can put yourself in bondage. Rather, he made you free so that you can be free. So, checking the scriptures, I began to find, what is the meaning of this freedom? What, what does the Bible teach us about freedom? Can we open to Genesis chapter, chapter 2, verse 7? Quickly, can you go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7? My time is running fast. And in that chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says, And Adam was free, right? And the Lord formed, the Lord God formed man out of dust and from the bed of his nurseries and the bread of life, and man became a living being. The next verse. And God, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had, whom he had formed. And out of the ground, of, out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Next. And now a river. No, I think we need to move further. Keep going. Go to the next verse. Okay, so I'm going to use my own Bible to trace it. Because the Bible says, the Lord put man, verse 15 and 16. It said, the Lord God put man in the garden of Eden to walk it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded man that you are free from NIV. It said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat, you will die. Now, did you see an absolute freedom without principles there? No. So it means that freedom in God has principles. You must write that down. Freedom in God has principles. You don't just, like, it has principles. And we need to understand the principle. The freedom in God has principles. It's not boundless. Because boundlessness brings you into bondage. So God said, you are free to eat from everything. But from this one, the tree of good and uh, the tree of good of knowledge, uh, knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from it. So it shows you that we are free in the constraint of the instructions of God. So a man remains free based and subject to the principles of God. So I define freedom. I'm still going to read some other scriptures. Okay, let's let's go to the scriptures. First Kings, First Kings, eighteen, verse twenty-one. First King gets in verse 24, 21. See, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. So you see something else here that while they are expressing their freedom, they need to get into something. That if God is if God is God, follow him means that. You have to align yourself with God. So you cannot be wavering between two opinions. Joshua 24, 15. The same thing. Joshua said to them, Today I've made a choice that I would follow God and enjoy my freedom in God. Joshua 24, verse 15. But you choose. So it means that when we talk about freedom, there is a choice. And a principle that keeps you within a particular realm of freedom. So I, I define freedom as a license to do what a license to do 
what is given within certain principles that is laid down. So a license to do, a license to do within certain principles that is laid down. So there's no absolute freedom in the world, right? You are not Cyprus and they give you rules and they tell you you are, you are free. You can move anywhere. But there are rules and principles of the land, right? And God is the same, right? You are free and you are free in the constraints of what God has provided for you. All right. Jesus said he wants you to be free. But at the same time, he doesn't want you to be burdened by the yoke of slavery. So what is the yoke of slavery? What is the yoke of slavery? We're working through Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We can go back there. Galatians chapter 5. Just that verse 1. She so said, I do not, and then do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So what is the yoke of slavery? What is the yoke of slavery? Now, if you go back to Genesis, one of the things you will notice is that God created man free. So God created man free. He didn't create man to be in bondage. So we're trying to explain what the yoke of slavery is. We understand now that freedom simply means that you have to exist within a certain principle and constraint. So you can't be left and right. You can't be darkness and light. You can't be life and death. No. So Jesus said, you yourself, don't put yourself in bondage. So now it means that Jesus is actually talking to a people that is free. He's talking to a people that is free and said, I've made you free indeed. I've set you free indeed. But you now is left to you. Don't put yourself in bondage. Don't hook yourself in darkness. Now, let's check. What are those things? What is the yoke of slavery? What is the yoke of slavery? Now, he explained this. The scriptures explain this in two ways. The scriptures explain the yoke of slavery in two ways. The first yoke of slavery is what we find in Romans 6, verse 16. Right? Romans 6, verse 16. And it talks about the power of sin and the power of flesh. Can, we, can, you, can you put that up, please? He said, do you not know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, to or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So the first yoke of slavery is actually this, the yoke of sin, right? That is the foundation of it, the yoke of sin. So the first, the, the first way man came to become, to become a slave is actually in relation to the yoke of sin. So anyone who practices iniquity, anyone who practices unrighteousness is a slave to sin. So because they yield themselves to their sins, right? That is the yoke. And Jesus is saying, I've made you free, right? I've made you free, but you must make sure that you don't engage in these things. That is what Jesus is teaching. Now the second yoke that you will find in this Galatians chapter 5 is the yoke that I call Man's, man's effort to reach to God is a yoke. Man, every of man's efforts to reach to God is a yoke. And what you see there is circumcision as an example. So we have to yoke. First, you have the yoke of sin, right? Sin, which is uh, the nature itself and the, and the things that come with it. The second one is 
circumcision, according to Galatians chapter 5, which is every of man's effort to reach to God. Every of man's effort to gain salvation is a yoke. So if you do not believe by faith, and there are some parts or there are things that you believe can, let's say you, you believe that you come into church or you believe that you give an offering or you believe that you're doing good to people, actually brings you to God. That is man's effort. And that is a yoke. And that is one of the things that happen with the law. Right? It's like a burden on them. Right? So they try to use the law as a means to access God. But you can access God by the law. That is why we say that the law does not give victory over sin. So it's a yoke. It's part of the yoke. And it's that same yoke that these Galatians are bringing up. Do we get it? So Christ has set them free. They are free people. But in their freedom, they are engaging in the second yoke, which we call the path of man to God. So rather than chasing God, you are chasing means of worship. You are chasing formulas. You are chasing many things. So I wrote something. I said, both sin and the law of Moses as a path to God are a result of unfaithfulness or faithlessness. I'm saying it again. Sin, man's sin, right? And the fact that the Israelites need to be under the law of Moses are a result. Both things are a result of faithlessness. So it means that because man rejected God, so he sinned. That is what Adam did, right? Adam sinned and he rejected God. That is an act of faithlessness, right? And because the Israelites also refused to believe the message of God through Moses, the law came in, and that is an act of faithlessness too. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. When Stephen was teaching, was giving, you know, what I can call his farewell sermon. Acts chapter 7. From verse 37. He said, this is the Moses whom, who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in the assembly in the wilderness. Some scripture says the church in the wilderness. With the angels who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors. And Moses received what? The living words to pass on to us. So Moses received a message, the word of Christ to pass on to the people of Israel. Did you see that? Moses received the word. So it means that Moses received a word from God about the message of Christ and he presented it to those people. So read the next verse. What did they, what did they do? He said, but our ancestors refused to obey. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt. They turned back to Egypt. He said, but our ancestors refused to obey him. Yeah, I think I'm using NIV. Yeah, thank you for using NIV. So he said, they rejected him. So they rejected the message. And what I realized when I continued to read this verse is that the law of the covenant, what you call the testament, now came into place. Verse 44. Now look at what they enjoy doing. Verse 44. Look at what the Israelites enjoy doing. He said, our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant, of the covenant law. With them in the wilderness, 
It had been made as God directed Moses. Now this is the pattern of worship they want. This is the burden. It is men's tradition and lifestyle that the Israelites want to build on. They rejected the living word, but they took the ancestral tabernacle and in that they worshipped. So God directed Moses according to what he has seen and after receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them. Now this is the same thing that they are doing in Galatians 5. They are just bringing up, okay, how do we worship? For man to live a life in the Holy Ghost, you must be free from these two things. It is impossible to live a life in the Holy Ghost when you are bound with the yoke of sin. When you are bound with the yoke of the tradition of men and of laws and of efforts to reach out to God by yourself. Do we get it? Brother Stanley, please, can you help me with the blackboard? There's a blackboard here. I need to quickly make an illustration. I just want to draw something on the board and I only have 25 minutes more and we'll try to maximize this 25 minutes to understand. Now you understand what freedom is, right? Freedom is working within the principles of God. It's simply having a license, having a license to walk within the terrain of what God has said. Now there's a yoke of slavery that Jesus says, do not entangle yourself with. And I've explained it in two ways. I said it's a sin and it is your effort to reach out to God and it is every human activity that you do without God. All right, you just quickly help me. You can put it somewhere here. Or people from here will see that. These days we'll be using some illustrations. It's necessary. You know, Pastor Gustin has launched us into it. All right. Now, we're just going to go through something, you know, just go through a process. Permit me, right? So from here, what we have is the Father, right? The Father, God himself, God himself, making man in his own image, right, and likeness, right? So God made man in his own image and likeness. And just like I said, God gave man the will, right? He did not put man in bondage. He didn't box him into a box. So God gave man life and death to choose from. He was presented with life and death. Do we get it? So man, using his will, chose death. Okay? This is life. So nobody has chosen this life. But because man chose death, man died. So by here, man's nature became sin. Right? Man's nature became sin. So what we see as bondage, and you see someone is addicted to something, someone is under the influence of something, is actually because the nature of man is sin, so the, the man is in the bondage of all that you see in Galatians 5, as the work of the flesh. Man. Do you get it? So the reason why man 
is in the bondage of all of these is because it's already in the bondage of sin and death. Now, in this place, this is where the Bible says, I have been free. Romans chapter 1. And Romans 8 chapter, chapter 1. It says, I've been freed from the law of what? Sin and death. So this is where the, where, where the, the law of sin and death began. So you have the law of sin and death taking place in this place. So man became bound. Right? Man became bound. But for the love of God, that is the character of the Father, what the Father did is to send another man who is what? Christ. Right? So he sends another man who is Christ himself. And by that, Christ chose life for us. And in that, he gave us his eternal spirit, which is eternal, which is a symbol of eternal life. It's eternal spirit, eternal life, and the spirit of God. Do we get it? Someone is asking, what is this life? What's the difference between this life and this life? This life is where the scripture says, no iniquity was found in him. Do you get it? So Christ lived a life that you find no iniquity in him. He lived a life that is, he said, I have come to fulfill the law. All the law I've come to fulfill. So Christ is the fulfillment of the law. It's the fulfillment of that choice that God wanted us to make. That we could not make because Adam made the wrong choice. And by nature, we inherited that. Do we get it? So Christ now have chosen the life and gave us eternal life. Through his death and resurrection, we have eternal life. And it's the spirit within us. Are we together? So man, by the message of Christ, the only way man can come into this is through the message of Christ. Okay? The same message that was preached in the wilderness by Moses. The same message that was preached by all the apostles. So man would come here by believing the message of Christ. Okay? So man would come here only by believing the message that Christ came to teach. So you have man here. So what happens here is that a man that is in the Holy Ghost does not need freedom. He has freedom. So here, a man that is here is free indeed. And is free. But within the constraints of the law of the spirit of eternal life, within the law of the constraint of the spirit of life, the law, the principle of life. That's Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Is that the principle of what? Can we check that scripture? He called it the law of life. I changed it to principle so that we can understand very well. He said, because through Christ, the law of the spirit that gives life. Do we get it? The law of the spirit that gives lives, right, has set you free from this. There's a law here. There's a principle here. When you sin, you get into bondage. But when you believe in Christ, you come into freedom. Do we get it? Now, this is where, Christ, where Paul is addressing in Galatians 5. So in Galatians 5, that he said, it is, the, it is for freedom. It is that you will be free. That Christ made you free. That you will be really free. This is where he's addressing. Why? Because... Paul understood that man has been set free from several things. And I'll just list a couple of them. So by looking at this picture, I just want us to look at this picture. 
by looking at this picture, what kind of freedom do you think man has? What is man free from? Sin. So man is free from sin. From sin, man is free. Man is free from what again? Echo, please. Deaths. So man is free from deaths. Man is free from the law. What again is man free from? He said, bondage. So man is free from bondage. We'll put it there. <laughs> All right. Now, there is something here that is not feasible. It's not, you are not seeing it. But there's something here that you're not seeing. And except we read that scripture, you will not see it. Right? Now, let's go to scriptures. All right, Romans. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. All we've said is perfectly correct, but there's something. Because here, believers, they ask many questions here. This is where believers used to ask, can I date an unbeliever? Because you want to express freedom. It is in this place, people used to ask, can I listen to secular music? Because it's not on this list. And it looks like you cannot put it any of this list. It is in this place that someone can ask questions, can I make a close acquaintance, you know, with people that work in iniquity? Can I make friendship? That are against God. It is in this place people used to ask questions that looks as if it's not clearly seen. Is it righteousness? No. It is in this place. And Paul is saying, don't. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Now I like where NIV says, NIV says it's first Corinthians 6, verse 12. It says, I have the right to do anything. You say, you say you have the right to do anything, and you're right. There's nothing wrong with saying you have the right to do anything because you're free. Okay. NLT, okay, so, I, I, thank you. NLT says, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become what? A slave to what? To anything. You must not become a slave to anything. Now, these are clear. You can, you know, quickly pick out some things. But there are some certain things that are not clear. And you will find that in Hebrews 12. You will find that in Hebrews 12. That freedom that you have, you must be careful to leave it in the constraint of the principle of Christ. It's that therefore, since you have been surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily do what entangles us. Now, I like the word hinders. So it means that if a man wants to walk in the Spirit, right, wants to walk in the Holy Spirit, if the man wants to live a life in the Holy Spirit, it means that there are things that can actually hinder you. Some people, some things call it weight, right? Weight. What else? They call it weight. Uh, sin is obvious here, right? We pick sin. But there are things that can hinder and be a weight onto your walk with God in the Holy Spirit. 
you have freedom in Christ. And it is true that you have this freedom. But the Bible says that I will not allow anything to put me under his own control. So that I will not be slave to anything. So weight is one of those things that most often Christians, we are not sensitive to quickly identify weight. In fact, one of the ways to identify weight is that you want to make a decision and pressure is already inside of it. You want to make a decision and pressure is already inside of it. You want to make a decision. You are not sure it's righteousness, but your heart is pointing towards it. That's a weight. Like, it's, it's already, you want to do it, but you are not sure. Now, this is where yielding to the Holy Ghost comes into play. Because most of the time, we always think that yielding to the Holy Spirit is actually means, yielding means we stay and pray for like five hours and you go out. So you have yielded to the Holy Spirit. As you have come out now, you are no more yielding. That is not yielding. That is not what yielding means. Let me tell you one areas of yielding that you need to know is that you need to learn how to release things. Like you want to make a decision in your life, you need to learn how to let that decision be. And let the Holy Spirit guide you. Until you get to that, you have not started yielding. Some of us, when you want to, you only yield when in the place of prayer. When you go out to make decision, you are off. So here, for man to be free and, and, and be free from the weight and sin, the weight and hinders, you need to yield more to the Holy Spirit. By yielding more to the Holy Spirit, you can express your freedom rightly. When you yield more to the Holy Spirit, you do what? You express your freedom rightly. Now, this man is free. He can even come here and, you know, I wanted to do an illustration with people, but I think I won't do that again. This man is free, right? He can move all about. I think I need to do the illustration. So that, you, please come. This will be please. I'm just going to quickly do this. Just, just stay here. Now, hold him. Hold his hand. You see, at this point, sorry, at this point, he is not free, right? At this point, he is not free. He's held bound by someone. So anytime he wants to do something, this is the person that controls him. So this is the nature of sin. Sorry about that. You're not the nature of sin in Jesus' name. So he's controlled by him and it takes him all around wherever he wants to go. It even this nature can even lead him to church as long as he will not believe. Did you get that? So the nature can drag him anywhere. Now, if Christ comes, okay, I'll, I'll play with Christ, right? So I now come and I'll say, I've died for you. I've given you life. You are really free if you believe in him. If you believe in me, do you believe? Do you believe? Say, say, Yes, you believe. Now, the moment he believes, he's loose, right? He's gone. So, he comes to me, and we begin to walk together. Now, Christ does not hold you like this. Christ does not rule like that. Christ does not hold you like this. He walks with you. So, you can talk. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the kingdom of God is good. I'd like you to preach in some places. And, you know, I'm sending you to Calabar or Afghanistan. Don't worry. It's not a problem. 
But because man is free, man can begin to wither and walk away. While Jesus is going, man is looking at the things of the world. Man is looking at, because man is exercising his freedom. So how do you now exercise your freedom rightly in Christ? So he can go back. He can go back. The point is that this guy cannot even hold him. No, no, no. You can't hold him. You can only be looking at him like, ah, old customer. That is the only thing you can do. You can't hold him because your power is broken. Did you get it? So you can only be looking at him. And he is the one that can even be putting his hand in your hand. That is what we do when we express our freedom and we go to that place. That is what we do. So that's just someone said, someone said, can somebody be safe forever? He's safe. There's nothing he can do. He's gone. He can only just be looking at ah, old customer. You're still here. Ah, you're, that, that's the only thing. So how do you continuously walk with Jesus? How do you continuously walk with Jesus? Please have your seats. Thank you so much. James. Let's go to James quickly. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Now we're reading from verse 19. So for you to walk in the life in the Holy Ghost, this is what you do. He said, my brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Right, that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filthiness, uh, evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but not but does not do it, does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away immediately, forgets what it looks like. But whosoever looks intently into the perfect Lord that gives him what? Freedom. So one of the things that a man must do to continue to enjoy this freedom is to continuously look at the law that brought freedom to you. That is the way a man can come. And what is it? What is the, the law? It's like the principles that brought freedom to you. What is that principle? It's faith, Christ, faith in Christ. Christ himself, even. Do we get it? That is the law. It is this law. So you, while you're here, you must continue to look intently into the one that has set you free. That law that brought you into freedom. So when you look at it, what is the next thing? First, you look at it continuously. And he said what? Continue in what? In it. So you get the law. What, what brings you? Faith in Christ. Christ himself. You continue to look up to him. So that you can in no way go back to bondage. And put yourself in bondage. That's why he was saying, he said, do not put yourself. He said, you, don't do it. Don't put yourself in bondage. You have been freed. So why are you the one that's not putting handcuffs on you in your own hands? That is one. The second thing 
that we talk about is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. There are a lot of things here, but we just look at just these two things. For a man to live a life in the Holy Ghost, he must continue to look at the perfect law of God, the word of faith, understanding it, because through it you have gained freedom. The second one, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. Say, so for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of what? Of hands. One of the ways to enjoy this freedom and to enjoy this position is to fan into flame what is in you. He's talking about the gift of the ministry that is in you. He's talking about every spiritual gift. That is found in you. He said, fan it into flame. That is why when they say, pray in the Holy Ghost, it's, it's not something that's like you are waiting. Or you are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. or you are, it's, There's nothing like that. This is what you have. Eternal Spirit is in you. You have Christ in you. The Father has laid the foundation of everything. Here, it is your responsibility to fan into flame. Jesus does not help you to fan into flame any gifts. He has given you all that he has. It is your responsibility now to begin to fan into flame. And what are the ways to fan into flame? You pray in the Holy Ghost. You pray. to so building yourself up in your most holy faith. Doing what? Praying in the Holy Ghost. That is one way to do that. You fan into flame all the gift that has been given to you. You exercise those gifts that is found in the Holy Ghost. You pray in tongues. You exercise the gift of special faith. You exercise the, the interpretation of tongues. So all that you must do in this place. And that is also yielding. Do we get it? So here, you look into the law of the liberty. You find into flame all that is put inside of you. Because God has done all that he needs to do. Hallelujah. I wrote something here. I said, Understanding the word of God helps you to freely obey. Like understanding the word of God helps you to freely obey. Because you are a free man, you freely obey. It's like the constitution of a country, right? You pick up the constitution of a country, which is the word of God, of our own country, of our own kingdom, and you begin to examine it. It helps you to freely obey. Sometimes in constitutions, or if you investigate very well, you will know the reasons why certain laws are put in place. Right? You know the reason why certain rudiments are put in place. The same thing in the word of God. If you read it intently, you will know the reason why God told you not to do all those things. You will know the reason why he said, do not be found, do not entangle yourself with those things again. So, examining the word of God helps you to obey freely. And this is how to enjoy the life in the Holy Ghost. This is how to do what? To enjoy the life in the Holy Ghost. Can we be on our feet as we just pray?